the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Why do I love FanDuel? Let me tell you. Because it's America's number one sports book. I like facts. I like knowing that they are number one in the space. There's also amazing odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, CBB, and so much more. It's also safe and secure and super quick payouts. You get your winnings delivered as quickly as two hours. It's amazing. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Renee so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. I have a very fun guest today. You know, we like to go outside the box every now and then. It's not always just straight up wrestling, but the fact that this guy also just so happened to appear on Dynamite just a few weeks ago made it that much sweeter. Uh, if you guys have not been watching Cobra Kai, you've been living under a freaking rock. Everyone has been watching the show, obsessed with this show. I have Martin Cove with me today. He plays Sensei Kreese, John Kreese on Cobra Kai. Or maybe you were one of the original Karate Kid fans. Who knows? But the, the career that this man has had, the resurgence of being able to play Sensei Kreese yet again, uh, going on to five seasons with Cobra Kai. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I just had a lot of fun talking to him, talking about his relationship with Britt Baker. He also did some made-for-TV movies with Hulk Hogan. So he knows a thing or two about the wrestling biz. Uh, but yeah, just talking to him about his career and the, the things that he's into and tapping into John Kreese, the differences between him and Martin Cove. And then later in the episode, joined by his kids, his twins, Rachel and Jesse Cove, they have their podcast, Kicking It With The Coves, um, where they, you know, they, they tap into episodes of Cobra Kai while also bringing on whether they're talking about mental health or what have you, some themes that may be happening in Cobra Kai that they want to get into on the podcast. It's really, really great. So really, really cool stuff. Let's get into it. Here they are. Here's the Coves. Do I call you Martin or Marty? What What is like preferred? Marty's fine. Marty's okay. fine. Okay. I'll go Marty. It makes it sound like, you know, a little less formal. How are you doing today? I'm good. 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 Um, okay, so you have been playing uh, Sensei Crease for so long. What are some of the similarities between Mr. Crease and yourself? Well, the similarities, they come after playing the character a long time. They weren't at the beginning in Karate Kid 1 and those movies. They were all kind of one-dimensional, and those characters were white hats, black hats. But as the writers started writing for the series. The characters became more texturized and more colorful. They're writing vulnerability in there every season for me. And because you have to go a little deeper into the character, some of the dark stuff you have to go deeper in as well. Some of the dark stuff 
where in a sense, the emotional outlooks of you've got to believe in his way and his way only, and there's very little room for other people's opinions and other people's contributions in life. That kind of stuff get a little stuck for me yeah. over doing two seasons in a row and being there, you know, and, and absorbing all those character traits. I think it spoiled a couple of relationships I had because it just enters your body. Sometimes you're not even aware that you're being difficult. You're being obstinate. You're being evasive in some ways. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis would take on that part of Lincoln and he wouldn't talk to anybody for days. And then you have Heath Ledger who kind of took it too far. And I think judging on the character, if you're playing a guy who's sweet little guy drinking coffee and it's one thing, you know, but if you're playing a dark character, a lot of, you know, haunting elements, as John Kreese does, doesn't make him bad. It just makes him complicated. And a lot of his reactions towards life are a lot more tough than he probably would like them to be. For you to be playing John Kreese for so long, and I feel like, I mean, obviously it must have been unexpected now to be able to have this whole Cobra Kai series when you guys are doing it on YouTube, it gets picked up by Netflix. Um, to have that gap between you playing John Kreese, what was it like getting back into the character for you when you first started doing Cobra Kai? Well, I asked him to write the character less one-dimensional. I came with my list of notes, and they were ahead of the game. And they wanted to write the character more texturized and have vulnerability and have flashbacks and all that. So they were more prepared than I was, and they knew exactly what I wanted. And um, they gave it to me. And he's a little more you know, vulnerable in three and more in four. And we've shot season five. And he's again there, you know, so it's good. You know, it's yeah. really what the actor wants to play. You know, I'm a romantic. I don't get a chance to play really soft, tender characters with a great deal of vulnerability. It's always a guy with an edge. And so here you get a chance, especially in the flashbacks. And you have Jesse, my son, who in the flashback, you think he's me because he bullies somebody. And yet he's not. I'm the one who's bullied. I'm the busboy. And that's created a lot of, you know, a lot of good uh, publicity for him. But I believe that when you get good writing, you're always saying the words of a movie or a play. You'll always say the force be with you. You'll always say play it against Sam. You'll always say from gone with the wind, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. You'll always say wax on, wax off, sweep the leg. You will always be saying those because where they come from constitutes good material and memorable material. And those movies are all memorable material. When you're playing the moments with the PTSD, how do you tap into that to play those moments? I can't tell you a lot about season five, but by the end of season four, you realize that he's going to jail. It's similar to what you go through when you're going to jail. There's a certain amount of depression and limitation that there's no way to get around as an actor. If you really have these seen psychiatrists and fellow people who have very little in common with you, you really need to absorb moments in your life when you were suffering. I was not in this service, but I have been in places that I dread. And so if I really wanted to figure out what it is, I would draw upon these negative experiences and bring them into the PSD 
situations because I have not experienced that, but I know what it's like to go down in the depths, you know, just working on something for years in a relationship and then it, it's gone away. Yeah. So you can make those associations quite frequently yeah. Yeah. and they don't have to be the same issues, but they mean to you, they're just as catastrophic. You mentioned not being one of those actors that gets to play that more tender side. Is that something that you would like to do, is to play a character like that, that has that softer side, that romantic side? Yes, absolutely. I'm very much into the West, and I enjoy the old story of the old gunfighter who turns good at the end. That, to me, is so romantic because of how he treats the world when he realizes you know, he's been on the wrong side for so long and he wants to make it right. And the shavings of characters who are negative, who turn good, those are the true romantic characters, I believe, because they see what's, what they missed for all that period of time. And instead of having the edge, they've got a loving care about their fellow man. Now, whatever time in the movie or in the play that switches, I revere that. I love that because that's who Marty Cove is. I cry at supermarket openings, you know? <laughs> you know? I do that. And I've found that the roles that really turn me on are those that I could drop a tear, where I could be romantic with a woman, you know? And I don't get a shot to do that too often. Listen, we need to get rid of that typecasting. Get Marty Cove out there. Let him play that. No, we need, we need to get women that look like you to come with your with <laughs> Listen, no problem. I'll do it. Covington, Masvidal, the rivalry will be renewed this Saturday night. And FanDuel Sportsbook is making things even more exciting by offering new customers 30 to 1 odds on either fighter. That's right. You could win 150 bucks on a $5 bet. Just sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook using the promo code Renee. Pick your fighter and get ready to win big. For me, I'm leaning Masvidal on this one. Put my money on him. I don't know if I'm going to put down five bucks and make that one fitty. I got to do the math on this one and figure out what I'm looking to do. But here's what I love about FanDuel Sportsbook. I mean, it's quick. It's easy. It's also America's number one sportsbook. It's so quick to get started, and you can withdraw your winnings in a snap. So don't miss your chance to cash in on one of the biggest fights of the year. Sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook using promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E today. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus $150. Bonus for Tennessee users fulfilled in site credit within 72 hours. Tennessee's site credit expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Marty, you recently were just a part of AEW Dynamite when they were in Nashville. You had a moment with Britt Baker and we'll get into that in just a second. But you've talked about your love of the theater and, you know, obviously your love of acting. 
What was your perception of professional wrestling when you got to be backstage and see the way that those shows come together and the way that it is that element of theater and acting and, and then the athletic side of things? The first thing that comes to me is the devotion these people have. Then you go to the athleticism part of maintaining your muscles in your shoulders and your back can maintain those hits. They all look good, but they need the armor, you know, to protect themselves. And I remember that's why Arnold used to have all that armor when he did Conan. He wasn't necessarily looking any better, but he really needed it for the character. He needed it for the fight scenes. He needed it for all of that. And I find that's what these wrestlers, I have a great deal of respect because they work out a lot. I did um, two movies of the week with Hulk Hogan. Oh my gosh, how was that? It was wild. And (laughs) we were Navy SEALs. It was 1998. And he said, Marty, I'm going to take you to see this. I was sitting up in the bleachers and there were screaming 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds screaming, kill him! And I said, oh my God, where are these kids from? But to me, I think it's a massive education of what I originally thought back to when I was a kid and could watch wrestling with Haystacks Calhoun. It was on Channel 11 or Channel 5 in Brooklyn. And there was a couple of these characters that were crazy, and it was a different world. But now these, these, these characters, they're almost, almost like baseball players. They really take care of their bodies, and they, you know, they're concerned about going up the ladder rather than just staying on the ladder. Um, Britt Baker. Dr. Britt Baker, how was your experience working with her? How did you guys become friends? What's the relationship there? We did an autograph show months ago, and my convention agent introduced us, and she was, she was a great chick. She just latched on big Cobra Kai. Yeah. And so she knew all the episodes and everything, and she said to me, will you do this little promo for me? And then I said, well, what is your background? And she says, you know, I'm a dentist and, and just all this, you know, things you would not think of a wrestler, know. you know, it's like thinking of you as a wrestler. Yeah. You know? <laughs> she said, we well, do this promo for me, but it would be great. Positions are juxtaposed in life and just come in and say something that's very, very um, endearing to me as the character, John Kreese. And I said, oh, okay, it's very endearing. And, I'm, and it was soft-spoken and loving. And she got a great, enormous amount of uh, social media on it. Huge. She called me a couple of times to do another one, and I couldn't. And then this time, we were in Nashville, and uh, she wasn't wrestling, but she was buying into a wrestler that was supposed to win and didn't. I come in, and I give her some advice. You know, you go in there, and you finish it yourself. No mercy. You know, if it happens to be that you have to do that. And the person you're sponsoring is not doing well. The person she was sponsoring lost. So she had to go into the ring and do all this. And they've all finished screaming, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai. And she walked up to me and we played it out. And she said, what should I do? And I said, what I told you to do. You go in there and finish it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So she goes in there and kicks the girl's ass, you know? Uh, So great. The wrestling oh, world is hilarious. It's so funny. I love when there's like those cross promotions and being able to see someone like yourself be there ringside and, and have that moment with Brit. Um, I, I always love that stuff. So How did you get in this? I kind of fell into it. Honestly, I was broadcasting up in Toronto 
And my boss at the time was like, they had the broadcast rights to WWE in Canada. And they asked me to do a post show there, which then led to me getting hired by WWE. And I worked there for the last eight years. And I did a million different things there from commentary to interviews, um, you know, just all sorts of stuff that I got to do there. And then I met my husband there. So my husband is a wrestler, John Moxley with AEW. Uh, He would have been on the show that you were at as well. So yeah, I just somehow have been submerged in this wrestling world and fell in love with it. And, you know, I, I had actually had studied acting prior to getting into more of the broadcasting world. So when that combined with the professional wrestling and seeing the, the theater side and the acting side, and then also having the athletics, that was something that like really sucked me into that world and then being able to be in the production side of things and just seeing the belly of the beast and the way these shows come together and these athletes putting on these like 20, 30 minute matches, then getting a microphone and cutting these like beautiful poetic promos. It just gave me like the utmost respect for, for anybody in that line of work. Did you do any plays? So I never did theater. I actually wanted to do, I was really into comedy. So I did all the second city um, classes. I I did all the improv and and all that, but I ended up kind of getting a little bit more of an itch of getting annoyed, waiting for auditions in Toronto, waiting for the American productions to come up to Canada. So that's when I started hosting. Um, I, I realized I could just have a microphone and a camera and start doing my own hosting work. And I've, been really lucky and I've been working ever since. Um, so yeah, it kind of took me in a couple different directions, but it is one of those things that I always come back to. That is like my first love is that performance side of acting. And uh, I always love watching more of those like quirky, really character driven films. I, I really lean into those big time. So maybe we should do a movie together. You should come to Nashville. I want to get involved in a little theater. And a little theater where we could play, you know, yes. really do do what we want to do and then cultivate it. I remember being in college and doing all kinds of one-liners about a specific subject. And then all the lines were, were written into a scenario that was related. And then we did it as a senior show. And this was in Queens, in New York. And it was brilliant. And it was all taken from improvisational lines. I do these cameos, you know, people... Mm-hmm send in birthday greetings and you corporate greetings. I have a ball because it's all improvisational. I've had priests talk to me on the phone and say, we're having a a fundraiser one o'clock on this Sunday. And I know that you can get a lot of people to come to the church if you implore them to come. So John Kreese implores these people to come. I get bar mitzvah greetings. John Kreese is like a monster. (laughs) And he says, okay, you know, uh, I'll do it. But the bottom line is improvisation has run rampant lately because I do with my son. We have such a good time on these, these corporates. They ask for strange things and you, you give them this information, but it's all improvised. It's the best. You know, that was something in, in the wrestling world that I always really loved too, because there was sort of that element. You get handed a script, but we're live. And sometimes you're like, am I going to get the script memorized before we go live in two minutes? Who knows? So it was always fun to have that moment of like, maybe I'm going to have to make something up here in this moment and see what's going to happen. Uh, and it's, it, it was always really fun to kind of be put in those like hot seat moments of like, are we actually going to pull this off or not? And you always can. I can't begin to tell you how many times that, oh God, can I do this? This script just came to me. 
But anyway, you, you should stay in touch with me because we should do that kind of thing. We and should. I'm actually not far from Nashville. I'm only in Cincinnati. So we can do that. We can make it happen. Okay, before we bring on Jesse and Rachel, um, one last question to just kind of tie in this whole um, wrestling Cobra Kai situation is the fan base. You guys, of course, have that nostalgic fan base that love Karate Kid. We're so invested in that. And then bringing them along for the Cobra Kai series. How was it for you guys to have the nostalgia audience while also bringing in a new fan base. I know that's something that happens in wrestling all the time where everyone wants to talk about the Hulk Hogan's, the Rock, the Stone Cold, when we're trying to introduce all these new characters and make them big stars as well. I feel like that's always, you know, sort of an underlying conversation that happens in wrestling. Was that something that you guys were pretty aware of when you were doing Cobra Kai? The great thing about happening for Cobra Kai was is that everybody could get around the TV and watch it all years, all age groups. And we haven't had that since Ed Sullivan's show 20 years ago. So now everybody can get around and identify with the juvenile problems, the adult problems, the youngster problems, the multitude of problems that the writers write about. And they write so very well. And they introduce so many different characters. So it's, it's a multifaceted show for the family. And I walk up and down Publix and here in, you know, in Tennessee, and I get stopped five times in an aisle. The first thing they say is, you know, we, we gather around the TV. We all can watch it together. There's no other show that we can watch together. How does it feel for you to be such a part of um, the fabric of pop culture? I mean, you are recognizable all over the place. How do you feel about that? I don't like the business anymore, but I really enjoy the people's appreciation of good writing. You know, there's been so much bad writing over the years with sitcoms and just bad stuff. Yeah. This show is a representation of people really enjoying good writing and therefore good characters. Hey guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And you love some combat sports, well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport, and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. All right, guys, joining me now on the sessions, we've got Rachel Cove, Jesse Cove, Martin Cove. We got the whole gang here. Uh, of course, you guys can check out their podcast, Kicking It with the Coves. Hell of a title, by the way. Thanks. How are you guys enjoying the podcast world? I feel like everybody has a podcast. It's hard to stand out. It's hard to like get in that groove sometimes, but you guys have that added element of the family dynamic. How has it been so far? I love it. I love podcasts. I listen to about two to three podcasts a day. They're so informative. They're so easy to learn information from. And it also just feels like you're in people's homes, like listening to their humanity. And then on top of it, I get to see my twin brother and my dad all the time. You know, my dad, I'm sure he's told me he lives in Tennessee. So we typically record and film the podcast out there. So it's just another added bonus that I get to fly out and see my dad. Which, by the way, dad, you look so handsome. It's so nice to see you. Thank you, my beauty. 
Jesse, how has it been working with your dad? What kind of things have you learned on set with him? It's been a blast working with him. We always have a good time. It's like summer camp. I always say we do a lot of laughing. We really push each other artistically. And I really value that a lot. You know, we're always trying to do the best work we possibly can. Um, you know, speaking of, I'm growing this beard and mustache right now because I'm, I'm going to be playing uh, a young Wyatt Earp in a oh, new Western. For my are dad, you jealous but... of that, Marty? He's going to be in it. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> I would be jealous of him if he was playing Wyatt Earp. Right? Uh, but yeah, again, we, we get to work together. We love especially doing Westerns together. And uh, it's going to be really exciting. But we have a blast together. What was the conversation that went in for you guys? Like, when did this idea start to do the podcast? Was this like around a dinner table at some point or like? No, it it was so random. So we went to go visit my dad uh, while he was filming the show. I hadn't seen him in a few months and we're all very close. I mean, you know, when he was living in Los Angeles, we have dinner together every Friday night. The three of us talk daily. Uh, you know, I have, I have a son, Jackson, and he's like the most proudest grandfather in the world. They talked more about his oh. grandson than anything else. You know, we're just a very close family. And so we were out there visiting and we were driving, um, I think, visiting his ranch in Tennessee. And our manager called uh, Gary Osdell and, and there was an interest for my dad and Jesse, I think, to do a podcast. And I, of course, was like, well, I want to be involved in it. And I really wanted to, I work in mental health and, and addiction, and I really wanted to kind of incorporate a conversation around some of these topics that we see on the show on Cobra Kai. And so I just jumped on it and I just had this idea and I just thought, well, when do you get to see a family doing a podcast together? It sparked from that. And that was last March. I literally tried to record one episode of this show with my mom and it was a shit show. I was like, mom, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. It's a learning experience though, right? Because we're all, yeah. we're learning a new language with each other. We're all working together professionally. You know, the three of us are artists, but it's a total learning experience. Yeah. It's scary. It's overwhelming, but so much fun. It's really cool that you guys tap into the whole mental health space and having those conversations. I know in your most recent episode, you guys were covering the topic of bullying, why is that something so important you think that we're all really talking about now and trying to come up with some change with that because it's rough out there? I think bullying has been around since the dawn of time. I think that in our culture right now, it's more acceptable to be vulnerable or we're, we're talking about more vulnerable subjects. And I've grown up being the daughter of a character, you know, that everyone's talked about, John Kreese. And he's known for being this big bully. It's been a topic of discussion in our home since we were little. And I've worked for 13 years with thousands of people. And every single one of them has either been bullied, been a bully, or witnessed bullying. Yeah. And I've seen what it does to people. I've seen what it does to families, the pain people go through. I'm so motivated to change it. So I thought, you know, Cobra Kai is such a big show and they really do such an incredible job showing bullying. And so yeah. I said, well, let's, let's do this. Let's use this as a, as a way to get this out there and talk about it. Yeah, it's awesome. You guys can take the episodes and then spark conversations from that about other things and showing kind of the reality of the way things work in the real world versus what you're able to see on television. And yeah, just to have those conversations, it really is important. You know, I, I think from 
so many different standpoints to be able to continue having those conversations with people. Cause I mean, you've got a four-year-old, I have an eight month old right now. And oh, wow. like, oh my God, what is the world going to be like that she's growing up in? What is it going to be like for them going to school? And like all of these things that you start to worry about as a parent. Cause yeah, I mean, you can see some really horrible things happening out there, but I mean, shit, it happens to adults as well. So it's, it's good to yeah. keep that conversation coming. It starts young, but I think we can create solutions by creating programs around prevention and just having these conversations and normalizing these conversations. Yeah, That's the absolutely. beauty of podcasts. Totally. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. Jesse, I saw that you posted a picture with Chris Jericho. Was he coming on your guys' podcast or you're doing his podcast? What was the situation there with Jericho? We saw him, I think, uh, I mean, of course, you know about this. We, my dad and I were at the AEW event. I saw Chris and I was like, and I met Chris before. And I, I said, I was like, dude, so good to see you. And he's like, you too. And I, I said, you should come on our podcast. He goes, oh my God, I, I would love that. He's like, but you got to come on my podcast. And I was like, <laughs> we're there. So he's a great guy. And then we watched him, you know, throw some chairs at people's faces right after that. So that was yeah. interesting. How was your experience in the wrestling world? I got to hear your dad's take on it. How was it for you? It's funny to see like children, you know, screaming, like, you know, they want blood and like to, you know, beat people up. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all essentially, you know, just like theater. It's, 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 you know, they're just, it's like acting, you know, it's a big acting job. It's on the stage and it's bigger than life. And these, you know, these, these actors, essentially and athletes, they're all, you know, they're, they're working, they're doing these stories. It's fun. It's, it's like, it's actually so entertaining to watch them. And it's amazing what they do, you know, to their bodies. I mean, I was walking around backstage and I just was like looking up at everybody. I'm six foot three and I just couldn't believe how big these like Herculean men and women are. And then, you know, backstage, they're all so sweet, you know, talking to you and about, I think, and then they get out on the stage and they just turn into these like Vikings. And it was so much fun. It was so entertaining, so fun. It's amazing how many people just love to watch this. And, you know, seeing it live is a great experience. If someone's like on the fence about being a wrestling fan, if they go down to a show, it completely changes their mind 100%. When did you guys start to get the performance bug, the acting bug? Well, Jesse got it much sooner than me. Hollywood's a challenging world. Um, I I have so much respect for any person that is pursuing uh, their dream as an actor, artist, in whatever field. But I didn't get it until I was 25. Jesse, I think you were what, like, 15? Yeah, I mean, I started making movies as a little kid with like my yeah. G.I. Joes when I was like, you know, eight, you know, and then I, I, my dad didn't really push me to be in the industry, which I totally understand. And then I, you know, I started doing, I was always in like the high school and theater plays and stuff like that. I loved, I was always like pretending to be a magician when I was younger, entertaining the family. And then I didn't really get into it professionally until, you know, I was probably 17, 18. You know, you grow up around it, obviously, and it's like that you want to get into it. But of course, there's maybe that little bit of hesitance, you know, following in dad's footsteps. Martin, what was your reaction to them wanting to, to step into the, the movie acting film world? Well, Jesse was very lucky. And he went off at 18 with a little portfolio and did a play off Broadway on the West Side. Oh, wow. It was just wonderful. And I love the experience that he gone for like six weeks of doing three and four performances a week because that's how I started. I started doing ensemble theater, not getting paid, doing, you know, the trenches, getting it done. You know, Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, <laughs> go do the show. You just don't make any money. You go and you do it because of the arts. 
But the bottom line is that it's a foundation. Every young actor who asks me, what, what can you tell me? And I always say, get a foundation of theater. And that's what I tell Rachel. Rachel wears all her emotions on her shirt scenes. Rachel could call upon any emotion she wants. <laughs> and in one eighth of a second, she's got it. <laughs> I love studying acting and theater. I go to a, a school called Playhouse West in Toluca Lake in Los Angeles. And it's a theater-based program, so they study theater. So my dad's absolutely right. I mean, they start it from the very roots of the foundation of theater. And I, I'm just obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with it. I just saw it. on your Instagram stories that you're back in class. Is that what you're doing currently? Yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm doing many different things. I like to consider myself a multi-passionate entrepreneur and artist because I have so many different projects I'm working on. I own a company uh, with my ex-husband, actually, who's one of my best friends still. Uh, we own a life coaching company, and we predominantly work with people um, with compulsive behavioral issues, as well as addiction and mental health problems. And then I recently signed up to go back into acting, uh, because I started when I was about 25, and then, and then I, I got pregnant. I had a baby, so I had to stop for a little while. I started our company and now I just intuitively, I felt I just I needed to be back in, in the programming. And it was, it's amazing. Um, so with all the acting that's going on, Wyatt Earp's being played, Western's happening, the podcast is happening. What other guests do you guys have coming up on the show that we should be looking forward to? We have a slew of guests from, uh, you know, the, obviously film and television. And, you know, there are obviously a lot more guests from Cobra Kai that'll come on. You know, we want to talk to them about Cobra Kai. We want to talk to them about, you know, life outside of Cobra Kai. We have such an amazing eclectic group, whether they're FBI agents or producers, athletes. Um, you know, Chris was someone that was really exciting to get on there. Because he's and done literally everything. That guy's got, like, you look at his resume, it's like, what the... What? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You know, people like, and we, there's no one narrow lane that we're staying in. We want to just open it up to everybody. And I think that's what's so exciting about the show, at least for, and for all of us, is that, you know, we, we just want to have conversations with every kind of person or authority or, you know, I have a guest I want to bring on, Melissa Jacquees. She's great. She had a son who suffered from this terrible disease called EDB, which was like a skin disorder. And, you know, and her son was only supposed to live till he was 14. He ended up living till he was 22. And, you know, just like what it's like for her to go through that and, and what kept her going in her relationship with her son. And he amassed like, you know, almost half a million followers on social media with his journey. I want people like that to be heard and, and share those stories and, you know, everything. Yeah, no, I hear you. Even like with this show, it's like it started out with mostly being a wrestling based podcast of being able to have on actors and other athletes. We've had on sex therapists and, and marriage therapists. And like those are the conversations that um, I can always find so fascinating to like really tap into some just having those conversations you don't get to have every day and having those other platforms. I think it's so fun to just like open up our brains a little bit and hope people want to listen to it. All right, cool. Well, guys, you have so much going on, obviously. So we'll be able to check out the podcast, Kicking It With The Coves. Season five of Cobra Kai will be coming out. Do you guys know when that's coming out yet? They don't okay. have a date yet. All right. Maybe the end of the year. Awesome. And then uh, this Wyatt Earp movie that's happening. Production that probably starts, I think, in April. So tell, tell her about Taste of Love. Oh, yeah. My dad and I did a movie called Taste of Love in Florida together, which was very sweet. That'll be out probably the next few months. Great love story. Erin Cahill, who comes from Hallmark fame. She's great. Great actress. 
her and I, um, you know, we kindle our love in this movie. She's a famous chef, comes back home. Ooh. And then, you know, there's all this drama that ensues, but it's also, it's probably the loveliest movie my dad and I have ever done. So it's called The Taste of Love. Very excited for people to see that. Oh, I'm so that. excited for people to see that because I feel like you don't get to see my dad play characters. Like, I feel like you see my dad play these villains all the time. This movie is the sweet, like I cried in this movie because it's so, it's, he's so vulnerable in this movie and sweet. And I feel like people get to see this other side of him. So I'm excited for people to see that. When can people see that? I want to see this. They're, they're still in, in post-production right now. They're, they're just finishing up uh, some of the uh, audio and music. Uh, I think it'll probably come out. Uh, I think they want to do it. It's kind of like a summer movie. So I think hopefully okay. by the summer it'll come out. It's so cool that you guys get to work together on so many different projects. How lucky. It is. It's fun. You know, it, it's a lot of fun for us to work together. It brings us closer together. Uh, and still. Do you guys ever have like creative differences? You guys butt heads on things sometimes? You might. All the time. Of course. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. I feel like people want to avoid art, like conflict, but I feel like it's important to learn how to have really constructive arguments where each person feels heard and validated in their own creative desire to create something and it's fun a hearing and also I think being open to each person's you know point of view and hey why do you want to make this how do you see this what's your point of view on this can you hear mine the creative process as you know thrives on that kind of difference it's all kind of the collective process I mean if you didn't have to sit around the room and talk with Marty Scorsese about Jake LaMotta, and you didn't talk about Casino or Wise Guys, if you didn't have all those conversations in the room, that movie would not have seen the light. Because all the creative differences in everything, we talk about it all the time. I got in trouble once with um, my girlfriend because I, I was screaming, who the hell wrote this scene? This is a terrible scene. She said, you made everybody uncomfortable saying that. But yet, you know what? I got the point across and my scene went well because I got the feelings going. The writers said, some guy from Canada, let's try it again. <laughs> Can't blame the Canadians, the hell. That's what it was. that one personally. She took it personal. She says, you made everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> I only said, because that's what you do in the creative process. You're uncomfortable. Let's improve it. Do something. Or let's do it the way it's supposed to be at just a higher pitch. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be, it was a great scene. And I wasn't comfortable with it, but we worked through it. People in the business don't understand. You can't do that in a room with people who are working on chemicals for this medicine or that medicine. You can't wing life the way we as artists wing it to get mm-hmm. to the proper results. Only the best know that. I think... It was something my dad is bringing up that I, I struggle with too, as it's just like in, in a creative experience and an entrepreneurial experience, or if you're just starting a, a new job or starting a program or any creative adventure, mm-hmm. it's, you're trying to like find your truth and use your voice. And, and it's really hard to use your voice when, you know, there's fear of disagreements and how do we, how do we speak up if we're scared of disagreeing and how do we constructively disagree? And I think that's a really good conversation. I know for me, I still struggle with that, you know, as like a really strong woman, I, I, I get scared to voice my opinion sometimes. Yeah. 
And I think every human struggles with that. So I think it's about like learning how to build the confidence to utilize your voice and then go from there. Yeah, it's being able to have that conflict and also, I guess, feeling worthy that your side is going to matter and that totally. you know that your opinion is going to be heard. Because I think that's a big thing that holds a lot of people back too is like, oh God, is the thing that I'm thinking or feeling stupid? Is Am I like completely off the path here? I think that can really get in the way as well. That happens to me all the time. I get in my own way. All oh, the time. me too. I, I had that happen last week. I was like, oh God, I don't want to be perceived as this person who's just a perfectionist all the time and nitpicky. And <laughs> But sometimes it's important to be nitpicky. Are you a Virgo? And, When's your birthday? I'm actually, we're Jesse and I are twins. We're Scorpios. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but my mom's a Virgo. My mom's a Virgo. So I understand Virgo mentality. <laughs> I love oh, Virgos. My son. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Well, guys, I can't wait to check out more episodes of your podcast. Of course, looking to see uh, more episodes of Cobra Kai, seeing all the movies, all the projects you guys are working on. It's been really lovely talking to you all. Thank you so so much. much. You're amazing. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, definitely. 100%. When that new movie comes out, we'll have to have a little like screening chit chat about it. Yes. Dude, love that. You You and I are doing improvisational work in the short future. Done. And we'll at least we'll talk. I, I have nothing to do but read Western scripts now. This is what I'm doing. I'll lean into the Western, uh, the genre. Let's bring it back. Uh, <laughs> buckle up. I'm coming in hot. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thank Bye. you, guys. Bye. Bye, Dad. Thank you to Martin, Jesse, and Rachel for taking the time to hang out with me on this episode of The Sessions. They are welcome back anytime especially when this other movie gets going for Jesse and Marty. I want I want in on that. I want the scoop. I want the scoop on the whole thing. Um, and I think that me and Martin are maybe going to join an improv group or start some kind of theater troupe. I'm in. I will make the four-hour drive to Nashville. You don't have to ask me twice. I will be there. Um, this will be out on YouTube soon. You can see that there. Uh, but, you know, just let's just keep it simple here today. Can you leave a nice review? I would love that. I hate pandering for that stuff because it makes me sound like a loser. Uh, But that stuff matters in the podcast world. So I'm told. So I've heard. I have no idea how this stuff works. Uh, But yeah, leave a review. Leave a rating. All those things. Appreciate you. All right, guys. This has been the sessions. Until next time. Catch you later.